Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. It's mentally yours from Ellen and Uh, focus on your mental health issue, you'll be worth regret. It's mentally, 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 mentally yours. Mentally yours. Mentally yours. Hi, Ellen. Hi, Yvette. How are you? Yeah, um, I'm all right, thanks. Um, are you at work at the moment, by the way? I am at work at the moment, yeah. Are you, like, in the office? Yeah. That's really funny to me. I'm at home at the moment, so I'm just, like, drinking tea on the sofa, so it feels less weird to be talking on the phone. But I'm I so think, clever. like, speaking so at dumb. work on the phone, I'm always like, everyone's listening to me. Yeah. Oh, I'm not doing it right in the office. I've come outside. Oh, yeah, no, I've No, God, no, like, I'm not. That would be awful, because our, our office is so sort of silent. Everyone just communicates by email. But, yeah, no, that would be, that would be particularly bad. Yeah. Anyway, no, I've I've come outside and I'm on the mobile. But yeah. Then that's good. That means you're more free to talk because I genuinely do like if I'm speaking out anything on the phone, I'm like everyone's just listening to me and judging my interviewing technique. I think people are just nosy though, aren't they? I mean, let's face it, we're journalists, so that it's our job to be nosy. So when people have have conversations on the phone, yeah, everyone just listens in like completely. So um, yeah. The thing um, is, though, like, I worry about that, but I don't think I've ever actually listened to other people's conversations at work because I'm doing my own stuff. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, I kind of do, but, like, it's more, like, occasionally on news, you know, like, um, like if one of the guys says something particularly funny or if if someone gets a complaint and, um, you know, one of the guys, like, the, you know, the news editor gets really angry with them or something or something oh, very yeah. good very good at standing up for himself that's always quite interesting to listen to well of course anyone would listen to that that's like free entertainment yeah but just sort of standard interviews yeah no just kind of too busy sort of getting on with things um so what's going on with you Yvette so um I thought we'd have a kind of a chat about yeah one of my sort of 
things that I'm struggling with at the moment. It's mm. quite a big thing. Um, we haven't really talked a huge amount about it, sort of on mentally yours, but um, I guess it's yeah, it's, and it's just an embarrassing thing. So I just kind of come out with it. So it's um, it's weight basically. Okay. I think I kind of I mentioned it in like one of my blogs ages ago. Like one of the first things I wrote about um, having bipolar disorder was um, one of the points I put was um, pill podge. And that got a nice response from people underneath. Like I had people in the comments sort of saying, oh, it's really funny you could have called it that and stuff like that, because I think that's something some people relate to. Um, pill podge. Pill podge, yeah. So it's basically, it does mean that it's, it's a bit harder to lose weight if you're on certain medications. But Because um, it's honestly, like so many people have told me that they've gained weight on antidepressants, but their doctors said that's impossible. So I'm interested to know if other people experience like similar stuff. Well, um, I think it probably depends on what you're on. I'm on mood stabilizers. Um, yeah. So there's that. But also, I mean, when I did go on them, my um, my doctor said it it may make you you know gain weight, but if you yeah. if you kind of if you keep on top of it, then you sort of you'll be able to sort of manage it. And I thought, oh, it'll be fine. But um, yeah, so I think there's kind of there's two sides of it really. There's there's the aspect that I, I think my pills are kind of working against me in that sense. And um, yeah. but then if I'm perfectly honest, there's another side to it that sort of having bipolar disorder where like it's kind of hard to describe. But like I don't know if it's just me and my personality or if it's to do with bipolar. But I I don't have great impulse control. So like. Yeah. So that might just be me, but what I've noticed in other people like that I've met now that also have bipolar disorder, they they kind of sort of tend to be a bit more sort of impulsive than the average person. So when it comes to food and stuff, that's not fantastic. But then at the same time, there's a third element of it, which is just like it's you know it's it's still me. Like I can't I can't blame it all on bipolar disorder. Some people manage to work really well. I don't think blame. But I think you can absolutely acknowledge, like, like this is something that kind of works against you. Because that's absolutely yeah. true. Like, I think it's known that, like, bipolar does, is connected to, like, control issues. Like, a lot of people who are bipolar also have drug issues and mm. stuff like that. So it's definitely a known thing. Yeah. And also in terms of, like, the way I, I know from myself, I don't know what it's like for other people with bipolar disorder, but, like, I'll, I can manage kind of I feel like I manage emotions with food as well so like yeah. um you know in Mean Girls when they um there's this one point where someone sort of oh I think it's Katie she sort of talks about girls who um who eat their feelings and when I heard that that phrase I was just like oh my god that is definitely yeah. me that is absolutely what I do so like if I'm feeling kind of down definitely eat. um if I'm sort of up it's kind of bad as well because if I'm like I'm really happy then it's just like oh let's celebrate let's it's you know eat as well so um yeah. when things are on an even kill it's kind of you know I'm like oh yeah fruit and veg and you know stuff like that but especially sort of with the highs and lows that's kind of when I'm more likely to try and well it's, it's weird it's not working but like manage emotions with food which is funny in a way well, it's not funny but it's like it's absolutely like not working because I know, you know, like the logical part of my brain is just like, well, it's, you know, like I know that sugar and all that sort of stuff is actually in the long, long run going to make you feel worse because you have a spike and then you dip. But like, yeah. the, but like the emotional part of me is just like, 
oh, you know, like this will make me feel better for for a minute. So I guess it's like, like you said, like sort of other people sort of deal with it through drink or drugs or whatever. But yeah, that's kind of a, a thing for me. I so, think um, eating feelings is extremely common. Like I think that's why it's kind of a cliche thing that people say. But mm. it's definitely true. Like, you know, there's a whole com- concept of like comfort food and even like the number of times where if someone's broken up with, you see them eating like a massive tub of ice cream. Mm. So it's it's like a culturally approved kind of thing. And because, mm. you know, drugs and drink aren't as socially acceptable as buying a big cake or whatever. Mm. So it's a lot easier to do it. And it's a lot easier to do it in secret as well, I think, because... yeah you know no one it's something I think you know how with people with eating disorders a lot of times they say it's because you don't have control in your other parts of life yeah and it's because food is something where you do kind of have that's your decision you're mm. completely in control of it and so of course your mood is going to impact that and of course your mental health is mm. um so I think one thing that I would say is definitely like it's more common than you think and you shouldn't yeah be really harsh on yourself for that because I know you're saying like it's not just my point it's me but like it's so many people are having the same thing and it's something that globally I think we're trying to work on because you, no one can separate emotion from food food is a really emotional thing mm. and I think also the whole bipolar thing aside anyway like generally stress like work stress as well that's yeah. I've noticed that as a thing I think it, if I was you know if I didn't have bipolar disorder I think you know there's every chance I'd still be the kind of person who when I've had a bad day or you know it's what I definitely stress eat you know if I if I'm yeah. stressed eat bad food then so um so yeah that's kind of an issue for me but um yeah I don't really know what to do about it have you got any suggestions are you doing anything at the moment about it not really I mean I started like um I started a dance class which I'm very excited about because I, I really love that but I'm not really under that's any excellent. kind of illusion. So like that's that's me going from like zero exercise to one bit of exercise a week. No, um, that's something. And I literally my first bit of advice was like finding exercise that doesn't feel like a chore. Yeah. Because I think if you stop viewing it as like, oh, I have to exercise to lose weight and you're just doing it as like, oh, I enjoy doing this thing that just so happens to be active. Mm. That's really helpful. Beyond that, like one of my major things, because I also like eat extremely unhealthily, especially when I'm going through things like if I'm very happy, I'm like, oh, I deserve to treat myself. Yeah. And if I'm low, I eat awful things. because I'm like, this is what I deserve. So obviously mm-hmm. it's emotional for me as well. But one thing that definitely helps is just always having your fridge stocked. Because if you know that you're going home, and you're like, oh, I have to think about what to eat. I have to think about what to buy. Mm. that's when you go for the unhealthier things. Whereas if you actually have like, I know exactly what I'm making tonight or like I know exactly what I'm eating, there's food in the cupboards, everything's, you know, organized. I mm. found that really helpful. And it's a yeah. struggle to still do that, but it does help. Thanks. And no, that's, you know, that's I, really great advice. Yeah, I just definitely kind of, yeah, like you say, just kind of maybe thinking ahead a bit more because it's not yeah. that I dislike things like fruit and vegetables, you know, like there's some fruits exactly. like tomatoes I absolutely love, but it's just kind of... Same. And yeah. It's really it's strange because when I think about, oh, what kind of food do I actually like? I will say like, oh, I love Japanese food. I love noodles. Um, mm. I really like fresh fruit and veg, but I hardly ever eat that. And I don't mm. know why that is, but I think that's a really common thing. Like 
it's, I think we have a natural impulse to not do what's best for us and not necessarily do what feels good. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of it is kind of punishment because we know that after we eat like a massive amount of food or unhealthy food, we have an excuse to kind of beat ourselves up afterwards. Mm. Which kind of leads me on to my next point, which is um, if you do eat unhealthily, don't allow yourself to be like, oh, I've ruined everything now. Because mm. you really haven't. Like, it's literally just you had some, it's not the end of the world. It's easier to give the advice and take it, obviously, because I still, you know, I had McDonald's the other night. So, <laughs> again, for like the fifth time in two weeks. Yeah, while we're on the topic of swapping advice. Yeah, you can you can I can chat to you about work stuff as you're at work at the moment. Okay. But I think basically like I'm still relatively new to working and having a job that I actually like. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of people talk about work-life balance, and I think mm. mine is definitely not normal, but it doesn't really feel like work because mm. I really enjoy what I do genuinely. Yeah, but. I think my issue is, I think obviously stress still builds up and it's like a high stress job, but I don't really know what level of stress is normal and what level of stress is like, okay, like maybe I need to take a step back and like take a break. So I think my Mm -hmm. question is basically like, where does it stop being like healthy, normal stress and start being like, oh, that's a problem stress? Well, I can absolutely sort of identify sort of for me at least when I know that sort of stress is is happening with it is kind of an unacceptable level so yeah. um if i start becoming tearful that's definitely that stress and now i've sort of recognized that sort of stress happening i mean it's it's a weird sort of thing for me to say but like there's there's kind of like a difference between obviously i've got bipolar disorder but there's it's not like depression here it's just like stress is it's kind of like when i get set off about things it's like you've got a, a much shorter fuse so it can either be tearful, I find, or like angry about things. So like it's a bit might sound a bit patronizing, but like you know, like with PMT. So it's almost a bit like that. So it's yeah. kind of you just have a shorter fuse. So like things that you might find a bit annoying, you suddenly are just like, oh my god, you're the most annoying person in the world, or like this is the ridic- most ridiculous meeting in the entire world, or something like that. Like it, yeah. you're just like you have no fuse at all. Or the, seriously, like if you're a tearful person anyway, like for me, I kind of get it. It's yeah, you, you just sort of, you kind of feel tearful or overwhelmed. So, yeah. like, you might you might find yourself going to the toilet sort of um, just to kind of take a few breaths and stuff, which is, it's fine if you're doing that because you're kind of helping to manage the stress. But, like, if you're, if you're finding yourself having to do that, then you maybe need to think, actually, um, in the longer term, I need to think about work-life balance. Um there, there are kind of basic things because um, I've been a manager for a little while now and there's a kind of there's things I sort of try and encourage my team to do. So are you always taking your full lunch break? Because we have the kind of, we have the kind of, yeah, we have the kind of culture yeah. in journalism where we just don't take lunch breaks. We work all hours under the sun because we love our jobs and that's great. But, you know, like, we no, we don't finish on time. You know, we do all this sort of stuff. But the thing is, like, you're entitled to that hour of your day um i mean it's it is it is up to you but at the same time like if that hour is going to help you to kind of yeah i am actually good i'm a massive hypocrite because before i was um, lifestyle editor i always took my full hour and 
to everyone else on the desk, I'm like, make sure you're taking your full hour and I will make sure yeah. they leave the desk. Yeah. And to be fair, I never eat at my desk because I've made that a rule. Mm-hmm. And I do sometimes take like, you know, 40 minute lunch. But in general, I am just going downstairs, eating food and then going straight back up again. So, yeah, I definitely could maybe introduce those old habits because I used to, um, like, I would read for a bit. Mm. Uh, I would maybe listen to podcasts. Like, it was great. So I think maybe that is something that I should do again now that I'm being lightly called out on it. I think it's important in the middle of the day like that just to remind yourself that, you know, your life's not all about work. You know, you've yeah. got something outside of it. So whether that's, you know, ringing a nan or reading a book or you know, just going out for a walk and getting some air, just sort of seeing something outside of work. I just think yeah. that's kind of quite useful just to get that kind of balance. Um, I also think setting up those boundaries, because I think if people expect you to always, always be at your desk, they mm. will always, like, ask you stuff. Because I yeah. notice a lot, I'll get messages while I'm away from my desk on my lunch break, and Don't I'll immediately respond to them, No, which I definitely shouldn't do. Whereas I think if they know, like, she's on her lunch break, like, she won't, be replying she's not you know yes. if it's urgent obviously I'll help but like anything else just leave for a bit you know the other thing that I'd say Alan is like you need to be setting an example to other people in your team now you're a manager so yeah. it's, it's you know so taking that hour is a good thing for the rest of your team because they'll see that you know you have a better work-life balance you know you but you value that and you know so that so they'll feel like they're allowed to because I think the worst thing we see in organizations is sort of managers sort of yeah they work right through and they sort of work all hours under the sun and they sort of yeah. get very bored and just generally you can see them getting stressed you know they get very angry they get very stressed so then people below them think that that's an acceptable normal way to behave in the workplace or you know that that's what's expected of them so you know what I'm saying is uh, rather than feel bad about sort of taking the time that's owed to you and you know getting stress levels under control you're actually providing a very good example to the rest of your team by doing that. And the same goes for sort of work um, emails outside of work. So you sort of mentioned there about replying to stuff during your lunch breaks. Yeah. Well, I'd, I mean, I don't do that. So I'd just say not on your lunch breaks, not outside work. Are, are you doing that generally? Because I think that's a terrible idea. <laughs> I will occasionally, not all the time. I never used to. But now I'll tend to check my email and if there's anything urgent. I think because basically I get annoyed sometimes and this isn't me like telling off people in the office. But a lot of times I'll get email questions or like messages when I'm not even at work. Mm -hmm. Why? Like, just look at my desk. I'm not there. So I find that really frustrating. But I guess if I just didn't respond to it, then they wouldn't keep doing it. Yeah. Well, I, I know I'm guilty of doing that to you, so I'm sorry about that. But no, because you're, you're fine. You're not asking, like, a lot of times it's urgent questions. or like, what's wrong with this? Or there's a typo here. And it's like, I'm out. Like, I'm at home. I yeah. can't fix typos right now. But it's partly up to you to just not look at that account, is what I'm saying. Exactly. So, so even if I get, um, you know, I hope I don't get in trouble for this. I don't reckon I would. <laughs> even if I get an email from the editor on a Friday, which is my day off, saying, you know, you've got a typo or this has happened. I won't look at any of my emails until I'm at work yeah. again on Sunday because I've got two really strong people in on my days off. You know, I know they're extremely yeah. capable and I know that if it's urgent, the editor will go over to them or email them and ask for what she wants for those two days. But a lot of the time it's, well, in fact, 
99% of the time, it's things that everyone else can deal with, or I can deal with when I'm sort of working again. And like I say, if it's, if it's urgent, then like you said, they'll go over to the desk and say this needs to be fixed. So um, that's a good point. And also I think an exercise in trust as well, saying, right, I can count on the people who are on the desk, because I can, because they're all brilliant. Yeah. And they're there for a reason. Um, yeah, I hope that helps. Is there anything else? I think also, like, one other thing, and I'm fortunate because it definitely hasn't got to this point yet, but if you are having trouble with your mental health at work and you need to take a break, how yeah. do you talk to your boss about that? Like, how do you, or even if it's just you need more flexibility, how do you talk to your boss and say, I need this for the sake of my mental health? I mean, it's, it's just sort of literally that kind of emailing your boss and having yeah. a chat and say, this is what I need. Or, um, I mean, in my case, I'm allowed to work from home some days. Yeah. Um, and that's because of my mental health issues. Um, so, and like here, I don't know what it's like at the place. I, I imagine other places would sort of have similar processes. But So that was a process of speaking to the manager and then um, going to a, the occupational health that we have here. And then yeah. you have to have an assessment. But I actually really enjoyed the assessment. This woman was just like one of the nicest doctors I've ever met. And she was, she actually gave me some really, in, like, really good insight into this bipolar disorder, to be honest. And, um, really? That's yeah, amazing. Yeah, she was, she was just really like, I mean, it was, cause, I mean, she was a, a, a private doctor and she'd obviously sort of, she'd, she'd done this kind of assessment a lot of times. Yeah. And um, yeah, it was just really interesting what she sort of said. I mean, in terms of sort of the working from home thing. For me, that's because I have a, a, a basically like a four-hour commute, and when I was doing that every day, I was finding it kind of exhausting, and exhausting yeah. and contributed to kind of depression and stuff. So that's sort of how it came about. But some of the things she was just sort of saying, like, I mean, the obvious one is just like really most workplaces should be flexible about working from home anyway. So she yeah. kind of said not to feel guilty, but just generally like um, how sometimes just changing your your life or your career. Or in general, can make your mental health feel better. So she said some quite interesting things around that. But yeah, I think that's interesting because you've kind of come up with a solution that doesn't mean it's like an all or nothing. I cannot work anymore thing. It's mm. you know those little compromises or slight adjustments. And I would hope that all workplaces would be open to that. And I'm hoping that that's what you know we're working for. But I know that isn't the case for everyone. Mm. Um, yeah, and I, I know that's something we're talking about a lot because tomorrow is um, World Mental Health Day, and I think the theme is around workplace mental health. Yeah, yeah, um, it's, it's it's a tricky one, isn't it? Sort of um, mental health in the workplace because one in four people will experience uh, mental health issues, but I mean, I don't know how many of them sort of feel comfortable chatting about it. I mean. I do have some stats, but I do kind of think, well, I'm not sure how many of these people are sort of saying that they're, you know, I don't know how much we can completely rely on stats because mm, they're, they're I would kind of estimate way more. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, we're kind of depending on how many people are kind of prepared to talk about the fact they have mental health issues anyway. Exactly. So, um, I just, and I think yeah. especially in the workplace, like just in general public, 
people are unwilling to talk about mental health. But in the workplace, it's just this whole additional level where you're worried people will think you're less capable, mm. which I think is a massive fear. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I was looking to a load of sort of stats from all these different places, the World Federation for Mental Health and all kinds of things. I found quite an interesting quote, just, well, this is an anonymous one from a line manager. And she was saying, I support my team members despite management tra- treating mental health or anxiety problems as weakness. I think that's kind of, that was quite, that stood out for me because I just think a lot of people are worried, aren't they, that if they talk about the mental health issues to a manager or to colleagues, it will be viewed as weakness rather than an an illness on the same kind of line as a physical illness. That quote made me really sad, actually, that someone kind of openly knew their managers felt like that. But Mm. I think it's just the fear that, like, this will prevent me from getting ahead or this will make people see me differently. And that's a really difficult fear to overcome. And I completely understand why people might not be open because that is a real, like people are held back a lot of times because there's still stigma attached. And I think that's Mm -hmm. only going to change once workplaces are more, you know, number one, they're better at dealing with mental health issues, but also they're more open about that and encouraging people to talk about what they're going through. Yeah. And it's also, I mean, it's not just sort of for people that have long-term mental health issues, which is about, Apparently, a third of people have formally diagnosed mental health issues. I mean, it's just sort of good mental health practices mm. in general. So what we were kind of touching on earlier about sort of stress in general, kind of, I think everyone would appreciate a kind of workplace that helps people have a better work-life balance. Exactly. And, um, like I said, I, I really feel it starts from the top down. If you've got people who take their lunch breaks and leave on time and... Um, you know, don't shout at people and things. I think that's quite important, all these things. Yeah, like I run about this quite often because I get very ragey, but I think in general our working culture is just toxic and not very good. And I mean that across the world. Not, I'm not talking about our office specifically, which I actually think is mm. quite good. But, mm. um, you know, there's this presenteeism. There's this thought that, you know, if you leave on time, you're not working as hard and staying late and working you know to the point of exhaustion is still considered a valuable thing like you saw in the news I think the other week this woman who was working I can't remember the number but an absurd amount of overtime and she died I think that was in Japan um yeah it's awful and it's just this worldwide culture and it's worse in particular places but until we kind of battle that and accept that work is no longer about just putting in hours and working really hard and doing that kind of thing. It's all about creativity and valuing those other skills mm-hmm. and understanding that you can be a really brilliant worker and still be able to like have time for yourself and actually care for your health. Because mm-hmm. any workplace that is encouraging you to, you know, not get enough sleep and not take care of yourself is, you know, really dangerous. Like it can cause, as we've seen, actual death and just general health problems physical and mental yeah it is still quite ingrained like like you say in the culture about presenteeism what comes to mind for me is um do you remember that car advert where um i think it was a car advert well anyway it's an advert where this um this guy um he basically he leaves work on time but he goes out on parties and then he comes back to his office and he sleeps at his desk so that his boss then the next morning sees him and goes oh 
I see you've been working late again. We'll have to talk about your raise or something like that. I think, oh, I don't remember this advert at all. But that's yeah, I, why would that be for a car? Like, actually, I've got no idea. But I, do, I remember it's definitely an advert, and I'm sure some people yeah. remember, will remember it too. And um, yeah, so there's that idea that you know, if you're actually physically in the office all hours, then obviously, you know, then you're somehow more valuable. Whereas, I mean, the truth Which is, is if, you're, if you're kind of a well-rested sort of person and, you know, you, it's, it's what you sort of do, it's, exactly. it's the quality of your work when you're actually there. Because anybody can just kind of come into an office and sort of sit there for like 12 hours and just not actually do anything, you know, substantial or productive. If bosses actually realise that people are much better workers when they're happy and healthy, like if you look at offices like Google are there encouraging of you know take as much holiday time as you want um mm. leave when you want you know there are places where you have a nap and stuff like that and actually putting mm. people's health first you're going to get much better results because people you know there's it's very difficult to be creative and come up with brilliant ideas or do really high quality work if you're exhausted and miserable yeah so i think it is i think it's important for everyone to talk about but also yeah it needs to come from the top it needs to just be a complete change in workplace culture and for managers to say I'm going to put my workers health first and I will see the benefits because they will like over time you would absolutely become a much better workplace and more productive if you show that you actually care about how your workers are feeling well I think we put the world to rights I mean, I hope so. I hope a lot yeah. of bosses are listening and like, yes. I mean, if they are, I would like to say um, nap pods are good. Encouraging longer lunch breaks. Encouraging mm. people to leave on time. Yeah. Quiet spaces and, for people. Yeah, quiet. That would be huge because so many people have um, anxiety that is triggered by kind of loud areas and a lot of chat. That would be huge. And that's such an easy thing to do. It's so easy to just have that. And maybe small things as well. Like, I don't know if you think this is bad stuff, but just kind of smaller things like plants in an office and things like that. I was like just that. about to say well. plants. Oh, Literally just about it. Because it, it, it does sound ridiculous, but it does make such a huge difference. In in my dream office as well, there would, of course, be like therapy dogs or, you know, like some sort of pets. But yes. I'm, I'm a realist. I don't believe that's probably going to happen. In my but I think time. even maybe not go pets all the time, but you know there are offices where they'll say once a month we'll have like an office yoga session or we will have therapy animals. And I think mm. it's just those small things where it's like, okay, this place actually does care about my health. Mm. And if you know that, you're going to be more able to speak up when something is seriously wrong. Yeah. And also, really, I mean, I think like we're saying, with like at the top, you fundamentally across the board just need managers and CEOs who kind of trust their employees to that they are going to just do a good job and put things in because that's I think that's one of the key problems with presenteeism is that you're kind of you know you're suspecting oh somebody's turned up I don't know 10 minutes late or all they've called in sick so obviously they're sort of skiving off of something when actual fact you need to trust your workers that they love their job and they're going to do their best they can exactly and also the it's like a infinite loop where it's like if you treat them better then they wouldn't want to call in sick when they're not actually sick so like Mm. treating your workers better it's just you know it's good for everyone it's very simple but I do think it's just if you make an effort to actually show that you care about these things 
you know, everything would change and anyone who is experiencing difficulties would feel like, okay, I can actually talk to my boss because it's not, they're not going to fire me because they do actually, you know, give a crap about how I'm feeling. Well, on that note, I'll see you all work tomorrow, Ellen. Yes, I'm going to go and enjoy the rest of my time off and drink tea and probably stay in bed. So I'll see you tomorrow. See you tomorrow. Take care. Bye. Bye. Goodbye from mentally yours. So go away, enjoy your day, get on with all your chores from mentally, 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 mentally yours. Mentally yours. Mentally up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com 